Hello, and welcome to another moment with Eric Fleming. I'm your host, Eric Fleming. And as I am recording this, today is our annual day of hope. Um, today is election day. And everywhere throughout the country, there are particular elections taking place. Um, in Georgia, uh, it's municipal election year. And so there are some races that, especially in the Atlanta metro area, that are drawing attention. Uh, where I live uh, in the metro area, we're trying to get our first African-American either, well, at City Hall period, whether it's the mayor's office or the city council, see how that goes. Uh, in my old hometown of Jackson, Mississippi, uh, they're determining who is going to be the new sheriff after my good friend who was a sheriff passed away earlier this year. And that person will finish out the term. I think there were like 14 people running for that. So by the time you hear this, hopefully you've already voted in those particular areas or wherever you live, uh, that you have participated in this process. Because like I said, this is our annual day of hope. It was this time last year where we were just making, and it seems like it's been longer than that, right? It was just last year we were making a determination about who was going to be the leader of our nation and what direction we wanted to go. Did we want to continue on that path that was established for four years? Or did we want to go in a new direction? And America chose a new direction, despite the grievances and complaints and rumor mongering of the previous president, um, the country decided to move forward. And it's hard to believe it's really only been a year. Uh, and it hasn't even been a year since we've had the insurrection. And the politics in America has not healed, right? Uh, even in the local races, uh, not so much in the sheriff's race in Hines County, but in the local races here in Georgia, um, in certain areas, there's a tinge of that division, right? And so, we're still trying to navigate through all that. And then in Virginia, um, and I'm sure there's other states, but everybody's kind of watching Virginia. Um, to see who's going to be elected governor. And, you know, that race is supposed to be a bellwether of what's going to happen next year in, in what we call the midterm elections. And according to all the polling data from what we've seen, it's neck and neck, right? So it's incumbent upon the people of Virginia to vote. And hopefully, you know, you, you don't get as big a turnout as a presidential election, but it kind of needs to be, right? I think every election should be huge. Um, because like I started off, this is our annual day of hope. This is the day where we as people in the United States decide who our leaders are going to be who we're going to hold accountable for anything from our streets being repaved to national public policy, right? 
and we set the tone for that by participating in the elections. If we don't get involved, if we don't exercise our rights, um, it's been proven historically and before our very eyes right now that those very rights, those very things that we take for granted can be taken away. And historically, both parties have been guilty of that. And it just all depends on who's the most vocal, who's the most strident, who's the most committed to their cause that determines that kind of outcome. Um, I always harken back to Reconstruction because that was a pivotal moment for African-Americans. Because for 10 years, in the very states where we were enslaved, we were empowered. And because the forces against that organized, became vocal, became violent even, they were and 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 had their influence not just in that region of the country, but throughout the nation at that time, they were able to change that dynamic and put us from an era of reconstruction to an era of Jim Crow. And there are people, whether they are willing to admit it or not, that want to follow that same pattern. That always feels as though that anytime we amass power, it's an affront to them. And that's why you hear people like me and other Black people that's been involved in politics just urgently imploring people to go vote. Um, and it should be a natural process for us. Just like our parents and our grandparents pushed for, and even our great-grandparents to a degree, pushed for us to get as much education as we could. Um, we are in a situation now where um, we need to continue to have a push for voting. It should be the same thing. Education is important. Voting is important. And there's a correlation with that because with voting and education, it's tied in with economics. And in a capitalist society, you've you've in this particular capitalist society, you've got to have power in the electorate. You've got to have power in academia, and you have to have power economically. So it's important for us to protect the right to vote. It's important for us to protect our historically black colleges and universities, and it's important for us to have our dollars make some sense, right? And they're all tied in. And, and, and the really the simplest thing to kind of get everything going is for us to show up on election days. And I know a lot of people have gotten very cynical, especially in the black community. I get that. History has dictated or justified, however you want to view it, that cynical attitude to a degree. But the only way we can defeat that is to continue to exercise our hope and continue to push the envelope. I can't really speak for any other ethnic group um, or implore any other ethnic group to get involved, but I do feel it's an obligation for me as a Black man to implore us to always vote. You know, 
I always can, and I compare a lot of things to sports and it's like, you know, growing up in Chicago and being a Chicago sports fan, you know, our team's not going to win the championship every year in any sport, but we hope every year we, we watch the games. We go to the games. We listen to the broadcasts on the radio. We buy the, the gear to show our support. On that hope that they have one magical season, right? And and we do it with, you know, with some cynicism, uh, but we do it. And I think that's the fervency we should have with voting. Yeah, it's cynicism again is natural especially after 400 years of watching laws and public policy go for us and against us, right? More so against us most of the time. But the achievements we've made have offset a lot of the setbacks. And so we have to continue, right? Just like that magical season for the team, those moments we have to truly attain full citizenship um, should be enough of a reason for us to continue to believe in the process. Um, and that's why it's just it's just so important. I mean, everything that we do, Everything that we take for granted is tied into that one day of hope, right? Now, you know, we have more than one particular day. I mean, we have primaries, but that's set in different states on different days. But nationally, the first Tuesday of November is that day. And there have been some people who have made the argument that it should be a holiday. And I agree with that. I think it should be a holiday. I think it should be a day off to not only vote, but if there's a particular candidate, if it's a friend of yours that's running, you don't have to take off work. You can go help them, whether it's holding up a sign or making some phone calls or whatever that candidate needs that you believe in, you should be able to have that day off to do what needs to be done and to celebrate if your candidate's victorious, right? And not have the pressure of trying to get to the polling place before you go to work or get to the polling place after you get off work or even requesting time because you have some employers who still don't get the memo that your employees should be allowed to vote. It's actually against federal law for you to withhold them from voting. But, you know, and that's why we stress early voting and absentee voting um, in, in a lot of states to make sure that we don't have that kind of a crisis situation with people. And of course we have seen people try to minimize that or even roll those back, right? Claiming fraud or whatever else. And it's a natural compulsion for us to believe that if we don't win, somebody cheated. Reality is we lost. And even if some cheating did take place, there's nothing really you can do about it uh, unless you have substantial proof, right? But in essence, the process is open, it's honest, and it's fair, and it needs to be maintained that way. And, and there doesn't need to be any real serious doubt or shade thrown on that, right? which is what opposing forces are trying to do. 
as we speak. But we need to regard, regardless of all those other elements and even principalities and powers that embolden these people to do these things, we still need to have hope that our vote makes a difference, right? And even if our candidate gets blown away, right? Just the fact that you voted for that candidate gave that candidate some hope and it gave yourself some hope. And we can assess it and let the smart people who are political scientists figure out you know, how to overcome that if we fall short from a political standpoint, strategy-wise. But if we have a mindset that, well, my vote doesn't make a difference, I don't really care, you're, you're asking for people that you don't even know to control your life. You are asking people that you've probably never met or never will meet. Maybe you've seen them on TV or heard them on the radio dictating how your life should go. Whether it's making a decision about having a child or making a decision about where you want to work and how much money you're going to get at that job or where you want to attend college. Is there going to be a hospital that'll take care of you if you're you're in a serious car accident or any other major trauma event? Just little things like that. And 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 I use this analogy a lot. And it's a real simple analogy. And people always question, well, what has the government done for me? What what will, you know, what can it do? All that kind of stuff. And I just said, just imagine a busy intersection with no traffic lights or stop signs. Now, you've experienced it, especially if you live in a large area where if the traffic light is just blinking red, how people have somewhat of a brain freeze, right? Blinking red is just like a stop sign. You stop, yield, go forward, right? But it's just amazing how people just kind of freeze because they're used and they've been conditioned for that light to say green. If they see that blinking red light, they just kind of like, what am I supposed to do, right? Now, when they get to an intersection as a stop sign, natural reaction, they stop. So just imagine if you didn't have any traffic lights or any stop signs or any officer directing traffic at a busy intersection, what would happen? What kind of chaos would ensue? How many people would take a liberty to go right when you were about to go. How many accidents would happen? That's government. Government is that stop sign education. Government is that traffic control device. It is how we regulate and govern an intersection we call society, American society to be specific. And so if we don't, put people in those positions in government that will look out for our best interests to make sure that we have the right of way, then we're at the will of other people to determine whether we go forward or not. And I myself don't really feel totally comfortable not having any say-so in what direction I want to go, in what I want to see my city or town to look like. 
And so that's why I've always been a believer in politics. And I've probably said this on a podcast or two, but prior, but it's like there was a philosopher who said that public service was the highest aim of mankind. And so I sought to perform that highest service, right? I sought to achieve that high aim. And I'm not asking all of you to do that. What I am asking you to do is to at least participate regularly in the voting process to determine whether certain people like me that want to be in public service should be there or not. Because there's a lot of good people that have good intentions that may not be qualified. But if you don't participate, they may win. And then poof, let alone anybody with bad intentions getting in, right? But if you don't participate, you don't determine whether the person with good intentions that may not be qualified or the totally bad person or the person that is qualified, you you don't participate, you don't get to determine which one of them get in there. And that's really rolling the dice. I'd rather, you know, they, they you can't win if you don't play, right? So I'd rather get in there and try to win. That's just me. But I hope that that's a mentality that most people, especially black people, would adopt and inherit and pass on to the next generation henceforth forevermore. Because in America, that's how we can gain progress. That's how we can see our hope manifest, right? And and it's always vitally important when you hear somebody come on and say, this election is important, they're correct. Every election is important. Doesn't matter how much media attention it gets. Doesn't matter how, uh, how many candidates actually show up at your church or whatever. Every election is important. If it wasn't, then they wouldn't have elections for those positions in the system, especially like elections dealing with school boards. I mean, you've seen that on the news, right? You've seen these people showing up at school board meetings, arguing about whether our children should wear masks or should our teachers wear masks? Should our children be vaccinated before they go to school? They're fighting those things at school boards. Well, guess what? Most of those school boards, the overwhelming majority of them are elected. You get to choose who sits on the school board. So you can choose a person that expresses your viewpoint. Because I guarantee you, the other side is going to have people supporting their candidate. And so you can throw up your hands and say, well, it's not going to make a difference. Well, it's not going to make a difference if you don't participate. That's true. If you don't participate, it's not going to make a difference. But if you do participate, you have as much of a shot as the other side of getting your viewpoint across. And it's up to those candidates. It's up to those organizations that's trying to get candidates elected to make the best case for those particular candidates. And that's why we talk about issues, right? And so we'll get into that a little more on the other side.
So we're back. So I was leaving, I left off on the point talking about, we're getting ready to talk about issues, right? So if there's something that's going on in your community, a lot of times it's like crime or uh, infrastructure repair um, or, you know, just city's finances as a whole. It's up to the people that are elected to make those decisions, right? And you determine who gets in there. And so you have to pay attention to what they say. If you've got a candidate, you know that the majority of the streets in your city uh, are in disrepair. And you got one candidate who basically has this plan uh, saying we're going to spend X amount of dollars to fix all the streets within that person's term, two years, four years, whatever. You got another candidate that's like, ain't nothing wrong with the streets and we can use our money to do something else. It all depends on what side of the issue you're on that you're going to vote for. If you agree with that person that says, yeah, the streets ain't that bad, then you vote for that person. If you believe the streets are bad and you've had to get alignment after alignment on your car, you're going to vote for the person that's saying we're going to fix the streets, right? That was a very simplistic example that I threw out there, but that's kind of how you have to look at candidates you have to listen to what they're saying or read what they've written and pay attention to what they're emphasizing if you have candidates that are talking about crime 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 and you are looking at your day-to-day existence and everything that's going on and you're like yeah it's really not that bad as they say right? If you don't participate in the process and that person is saying crime, 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 well, now all of a sudden you're like, well, why are all these police out here? And they weren't out here before and we've never really had a problem. Now they're out here harassing folks and doing this and all that. That's because you didn't vote for the candidate that was trying to paint the picture that it's really not that bad and we don't need to amp up a police presence, right? Again, simple examples, but that was that's how we have to start gauging things. I hear and I read people saying, well, we don't we don't get anything from the people that we elect. And my response is, well, how much did you demand it? Right. I've learned life lessons outside of politics based on the fact that I didn't get something that I wanted or I needed until I really, really pressed for it. Until I really, really started doing some legwork and making some phone calls or showing up and saying, hey, I need this done. And after a while, the people are going to tell you, we cannot do it or yes, sir, we'll, yes, ma'am, we'll get that taken care of. That same pressure is involved in the political process. Yes, we have our annual day of hope. We have an election day. But during that term in office, even though we trust people, that's why I call it the public trust, we trust people to do that work, day-to-day work in governing for us, that still does not obligate us to be apathetic until the next election. So we have an obligation to act on our hope. Remember, faith without works is dead, right? To act on our faith, to act on our hope, and make sure that it manifests, to make sure that it comes forward. And that means activism. That means 
And it doesn't necessarily mean you got to get out and the T-shirt and Black Lives Matter shirt and da 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 with picket signs. You know, we have emails. We have phones that you can call these people or call their offices and say, look, you can show up at meetings. Now, we're not asking you to show up at every meeting and we're not asking everybody to show up. But we are asking people to be engaged. And with the technology now, you can watch the city council at your crib, right? If you care, you know, and a lot of times we're reactive. Now we'll go to the city council meeting when something crazy has been proposed or show up at the state capitol when they're trying to impose some regressive tax or something like that, right? Um, you know, pass some kind of law that's going to be sure we, we react to that. But we also need to be proactive. We need to set an agenda. When we look at different groups and how they've been able to manifest success, right? Building on the foundations of the civil rights movement, even, and they've taken it to another level, they use whatever leverage they have, whether it's the majority of the population fits in that group or they have substantial economic power or they know how to use marketing tools to make their issue prevalent. Whatever leverage they've been able to utilize, they get results. Sometimes they get backlash, but they get action. And historically, Black people have been that way. And we need to continue to be that way. We have always been, and I've made this very clear, the conscience of the nation. We have always been the reminder that America is not perfect yet. And that until you do right by us, <clears throat> there's no way you can do right with everybody else. Until you do right by us, America's not going to continue to go forward. At some point, it's going to break down. And some people making the argument right now that it's breaking down because there's an active resistance to not do right by us. There's an active resistance to make sure that African-Americans don't achieve what they're entitled to achieve as citizens of this nation. And so guess what is happening? America is stagnating. And it's been that way for a little bit, but we've muddled through and we've made some headway that kind of keeps the wheels churning. But when you hear and somebody did a cartoon about it, which I thought was very poignant. They were like, they wanted the Confederate statues to stay up, but they didn't want critical race theory to be taught, right? <laughs> you know, they want their side of the story. But that's fine. And if you want to, you know, each culture in history had their mythology, right? You know, that's where we get Thor from and that's where we get Zeus from and all that. But reality is history is history and things have happened and they need to be acknowledged, good and bad, right? And we need to learn from them and not repeat them, right? So that's why I implore us and that's why I always bring a reconstruction because we allow political power that we had attained to go away. And the civil rights movement has pushed us to a new level. And we have elected, I mean, we've even had a black president, a black vice president, but we cannot allow that to be taken away. 
We cannot allow those gains to be erased. We cannot allow a new set of Jim Crow laws to come forward. We can't do that. And people are saying there's no way. And I said, yes, there is a way. If we don't participate, if we don't make our pilgrimage the first Tuesday of every November to the voting booth, you can be taken away by the very people that we didn't didn't select. And we've got to continue to push for a process to make sure that everybody is fairly represented and that ideas will actually be fairly debated. Because if you rig the system to the point where it's not totally open and honest. And when I say totally open and honest, I'm not just meaning on election day, making sure the votes are counted right. I'm talking about being in a position that Dr. King argued. It's one thing to, to not deny people the right to vote, but we also have to have people to vote for, right? And so, you know, when you have this system where you limit the options, meaning one party over another is going guaranteed to win an election in a particular area. That's not a totally open and honest process, but when people have organized and participated, they have even overcome those kind of odds, right? You know, people, there was a sportscaster used to say, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? You know, so we understand that people will try to cheat. But even cheating, if the other team, if the other side is organized and committed and executes their plan, doesn't matter what way you cheat, the cheaters are not going to win. Right? You know, not unless you just totally disrupt. You have to totally disrupt the whole process for cheating to win all the time. And so we can't allow the process to be disrupted totally. And the only way we guarantee that it's not disrupted totally is that we actively participate in the process. Any obstacle that's in our way, we have to participate in the process. Any doubts in our mind, we have to overcome and participate in the process. We have to participate in the process. People talked about, uh, there's one sports team that talked about trust the process. Well, that's what I'm asking you to do as far as voting, as far as government, trust the process. And there's many people that argue and say, well, Fleming, it wasn't designed for us, but we've managed to make it so. There are a lot of things we're taught in our religion. If those of us are Christians, there's a lot of things that had bad intentions that God makes right. And in this case, good people with divine providence <laughs> has helped us change what was set for bad and turned it to good, right? Now, when we get into these offices, and I've talked about this before, we can't be corrupt. We can't take away that trust that was given to us. But you know, on a very basic level, we all have to participate in the process. We all have to vote by any means necessary, whether it's, you know, by mail or early voting or whatever. So I advocate 
people being able to vote absentee with no excuses. I advocate people to be able to register and vote the same day. I advocate for people to be able to vote early. So there's not a wave of people on that one special election day. And even if you can't participate in any of those other things, then we need to make election day a holiday so that there's nothing hindering people like a job to exercise their constitutional right. We understand a job is a privilege, right? But we don't want that privilege taken away because we're trying to exercise our right. So election day should be a holiday. And people who have served their time need to get their voting rights back. If they have been released from incarceration, they should be allowed to be fully participatory citizens again. And they should have their voting rights restored. If they have committed an offense that has not taken away their voting rights, then they should be allowed to vote in jail. And really, there's technically nothing you're supposed to do about that. But there have some people who claim, well, they shouldn't bet. No, they should. There's a lot of other issues about incarceration we'll get into later. But voting is that important. Because it's it's that participation that determines any legislative action. It's that participation that determines whether you get a speed bump in your neighborhood if you need it. It's that participation that determines whether the minimum wage is going to stay $7.25 or should it go up to 15? It's that participation that determines whether a woman can determine on her own whether she wants to carry out a pregnancy or not. Is that participation that determines whether a school board will award diplomas to children who have died prior to graduation. It's those things, everything, everything that you watch in the news and see manifest. There's a political origin to a lot of that. If you like law enforcement and you want them to enforce the laws, well, guess what? You determine who the people are who makes them. If there are some laws that you don't think the police should enforce, you need to elect people to get into the legislature and take those laws off the books. Like to debate about marijuana. If you think it should be legalized, you need to vote for people that want to legalize it. but you've got to participate in the process. You can't wish that it magically happens. You can't tell people, hey, I need you to vote today. I'll get to it tomorrow. No, there's no tomorrow. You have to vote today, right? That's how significant and important it really, really is. And it's something that needs to be ingrained. There's a lot of things that we need to do as African-Americans to make the political process a little more important in our community. It used to be a rite of passage, right? To be able to go register and vote and exercise that right. And it was a brief time once we attained that right. And the changes that we want they're not going to be radical. They're not going to happen right away. 
there are some issues that are involved, like making sure there's enough money to do what needs to be done, making sure you have enough votes. If one part of the community votes and gets a person that's quote unquote progressive or even conservative, let's just be fair. And the other community doesn't vote and you somebody gets in basically by attrition for the few people that did participate in the process and they're totally opposite, right? Then that makes it harder for the person that you supported to get the agenda that you want across. So you have to encourage other people to vote too, right? Especially if there's something particular that you want. let alone the bigger picture of living in a better neighborhood or living in the safest city or whatever is your quality of life standard, right? Everybody wants the best. So if you really, really are committed to that, then you have to vote. Because the only way we can get the best is that all ideas are on the table and everybody is in a position to work to make that happen. And the mindset that will generate that this has to happen is the fact that they look and see that 80, 90, 100% of the people voted saying something needs to be done. Right? 100% voting, yeah, that's that's Pollyannish, that's high pie in the sky. But it's attainable. If we make the process so that there's nothing to hinder you from voting other than your self-doubt and cynicism, right? So from a public policy standpoint, it's a challenge to make Election Day a holiday. It's a challenge to make sure that everybody that served their time gets that right to vote back. But it shouldn't be a challenge to eliminate self-doubt and cynicism of the process because you control that. You can make that happen. So I just make my appeal to everybody And to be fair, most of the people that probably listen to this podcast already are committed to the process. But if I reach somebody who agrees with my assessment of things and believes I express their frustrations and anger or their arguments for things, but they don't participate in the process because they've become too cynical to think that outside of a podcast that we can't change anything. I'm here to tell you that you can. You and everybody in the African-American community can. You can change. You can get things the way that you want. You don't have to be, you don't have to settle for what's there. You can always demand better. And the first easiest way for us to make a demand is to vote. When we show a commitment to a particular candidate or particular issue that's on the ballot, that sends a message to everybody. Real quickly, if you've noticed one particular party has targeted black women They're trying to get black women to run. They're trying to get black women to vote for them, right? Because they've looked at numbers and they see that of the black women that do vote, the majority of them vote for that particular party. So they want to cater to what these black women are asking for, right? They're paying attention to those issues. So black men need to be heard too. Everybody needs to be heard, but 
we need a political system that listens to every black person in America. And if we are going to vote in massive numbers, then they're going to cater to what we want. Even though we make up a fraction of the total population, that's still millions of votes that can swing an election one way or the other that would determine that neither party will take it for granted. That one party knows we're always going to vote for them regardless, and the other party just says we're not. If we vote in numbers, maybe the party that hasn't reached out to us will try to because they got to mitigate those numbers. Anyway, bottom line is election day is our annual day of hope. And for those who don't participate in the process, you are basically hoping against hope, which is a terrible place to be because we need that hope. We need to have that goal to see the society that we want. But we can't get the society that we want if don't we don't participate in what the society offers us. And that's the right to vote. Until next time.